As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. After their signature win of the season in Green Bay, our beloved return home to kick off the final stretch of the season, hoping to capitalize on their big win by beating the San Francisco 49ers. Can the Bears keep the happy train rolling, or will the 49ers knock it off the rails? Ron Rugg from Football is America joins us for the Week 13 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. With the toughest part of the schedule behind them, our beloved look forward to the final stretch of a, of the season. Very winnable, with still a a a minor hope of postseason birth. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the Week 13 preview episode of the Chicago Bears review, and uh, had to tap into the bullpen once again. Couldn't find anybody from San Francisco side of things to join us here on the show this week. So our good friend Ron Rugg from Football Is America will be joining us to talk about the Bears and uh, 49ers. It was a conversation that kind of was all over the place, but a lot of fun uh, nonetheless, talking about the Bears the 49ers and um you know it, it was hard to talk about the 49ers because there's really not a lot to talk about going on in San Francisco at least not on the positive side and there's only so much only so long you can talk about negative stuff and uh you know with the way that the season is going for the Bears and has been going uh this year something else Ron and I touch upon um you know also actually just got done reading a really great article for anybody that's uh uh, goes to the SB Nation page for for the Bears. Uh, Windy Cedar, WindyCityGridiron dot com is a, a title on the main page called um, "Damn It Feels Good to Be a Bears Fan" by uh, Jack Silverman, and, and pretty much encapsulates everything that's going on with the Bears right now. And as as a Bear fan, and you actually even hear Ron say almost the exact same thing that that uh, Jack Silverman here says in the article is that regardless of how the rest of this season shapes out I'm happy with the way the 2015 season has gone you know we're we're seeing we're seeing competitiveness we're seeing them you know a physical football team and more importantly as is the main focus of this guy's article pride these guys are proud and they're proud to be with each other they're proud to be each other's teammates uh, and, uh, you know, it's reflecting out there uh, on the field. And, uh, you know, it's it's really great to see, very satisfying uh, to see how things have gone this year despite our current losing record, one that we hope to at least move up to 500 this Sunday when we take on the 3-8 and eight San Francisco 49ers. And those three wins that they have, um, 
Yeah, they uh, and you hear Ron talk about this during the during the segment. Really, against teams that were kind of had their backs against the ropes at the time. Uh, you know that week one over week one victory over the Vikings is um, you know such a fluke anomaly week one victory. Uh, I mean, we you, you've heard, we, you know, we talk about that stuff all the time. You really can't put a lot of stock into week one because the teams that look like champions after the first Sunday, you know, sometimes can often just falter the rest of the season. And you wonder what the hell happened to them as the season progresses. That victory over uh, the Vikings is uh, looking like the biggest fluke on the planet, despite how dominating they were. They beat the Vikings 20-3 to in the opening weekend on Monday Night Football in front of the whole world uh, in a game where they thought Minnesota was going to come in and run them right out of the stadium uh, you know, to kick things off because people were expecting big things from Minnesota. And as predicted, the Vikings are 8-3 and in first place in the NFC North uh, right now, so they pretty much are the team um, you know, people thought they were going to be as far as their success that they're having and the 49ers are the team that we thought that they would be um, going into the season sitting at the complete opposite record of three and eight and you know the huge dumpster fire of an organization that they are from top to bottom um, it's just uh, it's one of those things and one of my favorite analogies I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about this before uh, opening um, game of the 1996 season Monday Night Football the Bears are hosting the defending world champion Dallas Cowboys in Soldier Field, and we stomped the Cowboys into the ground that week. Brian Cox with some sacks in there. Offensively, the the Cowboys could do nothing, and I think we won that game like 22-10 to 10 or something like that. I mean, the Bears looked fantastic in that game and then proceeded to finish the year like 6 and 10 or whatever it was just a dog of a dog of a season that they had that year you know apparently put all their eggs in one basket in that Dallas game pretty much had nothing left for the rest of the year and uh, it was only about another year or so before we finally got once that out of town but you know just uh one of my favorite week one examples of uh you know don't get too excited after the first game it's only one game into a very long uh NFL season so you know it's um it is very nice, uh, you know, very enjoyable and very satisfactory. You know, it, it also may have everything to do with how bad 2014 was uh, to, uh, to, to weigh the reactions and, and such of the progress we've made so far in, in 2015. And the fact that going into this final five-game stretch, there's still hope that the Bears, despite an 0-3 start, have an outside chance uh, to make the playoffs and are a team that people at this point might actually be afraid of if the Bears make it to January because they are, are building some, themselves up as a football team to succeed in the postseason, getting it done defensively, running the football, being smart and efficient on offense. You know, if we can add a touch of explosiveness on the offensive side, we get some big play potential, some big point potential, then, you know, that this truly might be a team that you would fear to see past January 3rd in week 17. So, um, but also, in uh, as we move into our, our news uh, segment uh, here, help may be on the way uh, with that. And uh, remember when we talked to Jeff Dickerson during the week seven bye uh, about the, um, the possibility of Kevin White, our first-round pick. Remember that guy? Remember him being the jewel of our draft class back in, in April? 
before the uh, boy they just handled that situation so poorly. I, I you know that's definitely going to be a black eye on the first year of the Pace Fox administration. Uh, regardless of how the whole thing shakes out, if if uh, White does in fact play this year uh, and everything, just how that whole thing was handled, um, you know, for them to tell us all along that it was, or to you know, at because I've had a few people uh, talk to me or, or tweet me on this about um, about uh, my reaction to the to the injury and 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 things like that, and it was more so not the injury itself. Injury is a part of football. And, you know, it's just one of those things we have to accept. We'll talk about our injury report here uh, in a minute because well, we got another guy that hurt himself in practice. Uh, Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This week, it's like the third or fourth player this year that suffered an injury in practice, and the second guy in about three weeks to do so. Um, so we'll talk about that here in a minute. It's it's all part of the game, and nobody wants to see their first round pick get hurt uh, going into his rookie season, especially someone that we were hoping would be a big piece of the puzzle and be our replacement for Brandon Marshall. Being you know after we traded him away uh, and everything, and Kevin White was everything. That, uh, that Brandon Marshall was. He was tall. He had you know big hands, a huge catch radius. He was explosive, could make plays down the field, uh, and so on. And he was only about $10 million a year cheaper and 15 years younger than, than Brandon Marshall. So, I mean, he really couldn't just uh, – really the guy just had check marks across the board that obviously this is the direction you want to go in. Um, you know, but the whole thing with, uh, you know – leading us to believe that it was a, a soft tissue uh, injury or shin splints or anything, and then all of a sudden to come out and say it was a stress fracture the whole time, and they've known that since OTAs in April after he got drafted, and now all of a sudden it went from you know, a soft tissue injury we're hoping for shin splints to slowly but surely heal up to all of a sudden he's got, got to have surgery and he might miss the year to go from one extreme uh, to the other is what was most disappointing and, and why it upset me the way that it did. And, um, you know, I just think that that's like the one big black eye that that year one of Pace and Fox uh, together will have. And, and I think they've they've worked to be more transparent with the injuries since then while keeping that whole vagueness that John Fox has now become so famous for in his rather short tenure in Chicago uh, so far. So, I mean, they, they, they're doing a bit more. Uh, while giving away as little as possible, but you know, also doing a better job of kind of setting expectations with what we may or may not get uh, from these uh, from these injuries, because it actually became a point of uh, comedy for reporters that, uh, like with with Alshon Jeffrey 
and that calf injury that he had that kept him out for the entire preseason was that uh, you know John Fox or you know Ryan Pace said that um, you know um, Alshon Jeffrey is day to day with a calf injury, which of course means that he'll be retiring uh, next week. You know that's that's the level of comedy that the whole Kevin White situation had brought to the forefront. But this long uh, point that I'm beating into the ground here is that uh, despite all of that, Kevin White is practicing now. Um, he's still within that 21-day uh, window where the Bears have to make a decision whether or not they're going to activate him to the roster or put him on injured reserve for the season. Kevin White is hell-bent on playing this year. He has made comments to, the, to that effect uh, to the media that if he wasn't serious about playing this year that he would have had uh, or requested uh, with, with Pace and Fox to uh, put him on injured reserve and, and, you know, just start getting ready for 2016. You know, he, along with everybody else in, in the Bears nation at this point, is very excited about where this season has has been and is going, and he wants to be a part of it. He definitely thinks that he can help. He's been practicing at full speed in individual drills uh, this week, so that's definitely encouraging. Now it's more of a, a case of... Um, Probably not so much the strength of the the bone or re-injuring the stress fracture, but more not injuring himself, overdoing it with that leg he hasn't been using, you know, as far as, you know, getting the strength up, uh, being careful with the, 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 the stiffness and, and making sure that it's up to snuff with the other leg, the healthy leg, that makes sure that he's, you know, getting stretched out. So all of a sudden, Kevin White comes in and he pulls a, a, pulls a groin or, you know, strains his calf or something like that because that leg isn't up to snuff and, and sh- as strong as it needs to be to handle a 60-minute football game. So, but, uh, you know, all signs pointing to him being on track to play and that when push comes to shove, the, it sounds like the Bears are going to let him play uh, this year. And, um, you know, when I, uh, when I, when I tweeted uh, uh, Jeff Dickerson two weeks ago when I originally asked him before the Bears made a decision to open the 20-day window on Kevin White, um, Jeff Dickerson simply said that he would be surprised if Kevin White plays this year. I haven't had a chance to ask him yet if he feels differently about that after seeing Kevin White practice this week. Maybe I'll uh, throw him uh, throw him another tweet and see if see what he has to say uh, about that. But um, you know, all signs are pointing to uh, seeing number thirteen out on the field uh, this year. So knock on wood that that happens. And uh, you know, he has the impact that he hopes that we all hope that he will that uh, that he wants to have. And, uh, you know, maybe he's that that final piece that helps push us over the top and uh, maybe gets us into some uh, mid-January football in 2016. So that would be uh, exciting to see, to see him go out there and, and, uh, you know, make some noise this year and just kind of put the cherry on top with this draft class that we've had. You know, Eddie Goldman uh, being a starter and being talked about making the Pro Bowl. That's how good the season's been going for Goldman. Um, Adrian Amos, fifth-round pick, outstanding steal of the draft uh, for us up to this point. Um, You know, and then obviously Jeremy Lankford, you know, rounds two, three, four, and five. Uh, Horonis Grassu has been a starter uh, for us uh, ever since um, Will Montgomery uh, got hurt you know he's been uh you know play he, you know he has his rookie moments but for the most part he's been solid you you don't notice that he's out there which is the best part you know like uh when I gave uh, Kyle Long the a bear up against the the Broncos you know for the most part you're probably wondering why that happened well that was because of the guy that you didn't hear from in that game which was Von Miller 
the guy that Kyle Long was blocking for 99% of that football game. That's why Kyle Long. It's like the less you hear about the offensive line, the better they are doing. That is for sure. So we weren't hearing about them, you know, about Jay Cutler being buried under defenders because the offensive line isn't blocking, and you didn't hear about an all-pro uh, Russian linebacker in Von Miller touching him uh, at all until, of course, that one fateful moment, Charles Leno. But, um, you know, that's the kind of thing that uh, you want. But second, third, fourth, fifth-round picks all have been starters and major contributors on the team this year. The only people that haven't seen the field are our sixth-round pick, uh, Teo Fabaluge, who is currently uh, suspended for PEDs, and Kevin White, who's been nursing that uh, that stress fracture all season. Otherwise, you have to give this draft, draft class an A, I would think, uh, aside from uh, the the uh, the first and uh, first and last pick, the whole draft class has been contributors this year, and Kevin White might still have a shot to be a contributor before it's all said and done in 2015. So keep your fingers crossed that that actually happens, and we'll see Kevin White, the the top wide receiver prospect from West Virginia, um, hit the uh, hit the field uh, this year uh, for the Bears. So very excited uh, about that. Uh, speaking of injuries uh, that I was talking about a moment ago, Marquise Wilson was that player that I was talking about. Hurt his, uh, injured his foot in the last play of practice on Wednesday. Same thing that happened to Antro Roll a couple of weeks. Hurt his, uh, injured his knee in the last play of practice on a Friday, I think, before the, uh, before the St. Louis game uh, is when that happened. And because um, he's been out the last couple of weeks, Chris Przinsky, who was the hero of the Green Bay game, uh, has been starting in his uh, in his stead the last couple. Actually, it was before Denver because he's been playing. He started against Denver, um, but he's been you know playing for the injured Antro role and been doing a decent job and was the hero that forced the Eddie Lacy fumble that turned into the Bears first touchdown last Thursday night. So, you know, he's been uh, he's been uh, doing a good job since being picked up off the Jacksonville Jaguar practice squad. If if there was a place that I would not, that I the last place that I'd be looking for, for for talent, it would not be the practice squad. Guys not good enough to make the main roster in Jacksonville. Yeah, let's take one of those guys. And uh, actually, we took two because Jonathan Anderson, number fifty eight, our other inside linebacker who was starting for uh, McClellan, was he was hurt. Also came from Jacksonville. So. I don't know what the hell's going down there in Jacksonville. They've obviously got it backwards if those two guys are on the practice squad and they've got everybody else on the 53. But um, nonetheless, Marquise Wilson hurt himself on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday for a wide receiving core that is uh, you know, littered with injuries anyway. Uh, it's looking like Eddie Royal will still not be back uh, for the Bears on Sunday uh, with that knee injury. He suffered, I believe, against Denver or no, I forget who he hurt himself against. It may have been St. Louis, but, um, you know, Eddie Royal's been out the last couple of weeks. Antro Roll still hasn't practiced yet with his uh, knee injury. Uh, Bruce Gaston, the defensive lineman, had a big sack against uh, Denver a couple weeks. Or was, did he? Did he? No, he didn't sack Favre. Favre, Jesus Christ. No, uh, Rodgers. For some reason, I can't get that name out of my head when I talk about Green Bay now. Um, Gaston had a big sack against the Broncos uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, but with an illness, so probably just the cold or something that's going around. Didn't practice. Pra- wasn't on the injury report Wednesday, but didn't practice Thursday because of it. Uh, Kadeem Carey has passed the concussion protocol. He's been full participation, as has Martellus Bennett with his rib injury. Uh, full go on that. Uh, Matt Slauson was full participation on Wednesday, off 
of the injury report today. So that's got to be encouraging as well. Kyle Long is uh, full participation with the neck injury that was bothering him. Um, He was limited on Wednesday, full go uh, today. Pernell McPhee and Zach Millers with with knee and rib injuries, respectively, both limited uh, in practice on Thursday, but most likely. I mean, McPhee's been nursing that knee injury all all year long, so, and he's been playing, uh, except for that one game in St. Louis. He's been playing uh, all the way through. The 49ers, on the other hand, probably have more people off the injury list than they have on it, but uh, it's it's a name. There are names all over this this list uh, for them. Eric Armstead, their number one pick this year, is uh, nursing a shoulder injury. Um, Blake Bell, their tight end, uh, finger injury. Anquan Bolden with a hamstring injury. Uh, Alex Boone, one of their starting guards, triceps injury. Navarro Bowman, Ahmad Brooks, their, start, their, their star linebackers, limited with shoulder and finger injuries uh Ahmad Brooks is on the injury list with a toe injury but just cleared concussion protocol uh this week so he's he's probably on on pace to play against the Bears on on Sunday Carlos Hyde their their top running back is out with a foot injury uh hasn't practiced yet this week and most likely will not play against the Bears uh, we're looking at Sean Drawn for and if that name sounds familiar it should because he used to be a Chicago Bear, and uh, coincidentally enough, he made a huge mistake against the 49ers on Sunday Night Football last year, was cut two days later, and now he's playing for the 49ers. are going to start against the Bears uh, on Sunday, so that's hilarious. And, um, you know, overall, there's what? Oh, my God. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 16 names on the San Francisco 49er uh, injury list. Um, handful are full participation. Uh, Keith Keith Reeser, uh, Dante Johnson, Tony Gerard, Eddy, all for f- uh, f- full participation. Bruce Ellington, Quentin Dial, defensive tackle. We'll see him on Sunday. He's one of their contributors. Um, but, you know, this is a team littered with injuries and uh, huge deficiency uh, in talent. And you hate to be especially after such a big win that the Bears had. You hate to be cocky and think that this is going to be a walkaway victory for the Bears, but when you, when you look at what the Bears have been able to do and who they've been able to do it against, especially the last two weeks with Denver and Green Bay, um, to look at a team like 49ers coming to Chicago on Sunday in the cold, in the winter, um, in the elements, the San Francisco warm weather team, is there really a reason that the Bears shouldn't win this game by 20 points. Because, and you'll hear me and Ron talk about this, uh, the 49ers are allergic to scoring points. They are horrible at scoring. 13.8 is the average for the season. But, um, you know, they just do not score. They don't. And our defense just got done shutting Aaron Rodgers down and holding him to 13 points in Lambeau last week. So if we can do that to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, I'm sure we can duplicate something close to that against Blaine Gabbert and the San Francisco 49ers. So, yeah, that's uh, plenty interesting uh, <laughs> uh, going into this uh, into this football game. The, the Bears really should, um, you know, stick it to uh, San Francisco. First time all year the Bears are favored uh, to win a game. They've been underdogs in the first 11 games, and uh, – will be favored for the first time this year uh, against the 49ers on Sunday. Currently sitting, I think, at seven points uh, right now, which I think that's generous based on what I've seen from uh, from both of these teams in recent weeks. So 
And uh, just in a quick update, just to show you what uh, what kind of time what time it is uh, where I am right now or when I'm recording this, um, I you know I, I I took a little bit of a nap before I recorded the show when I got home from work today, and um, I think I died. I think I'm dead. Actually, I think I passed away in my sleep or I'm dreaming. One of the two, because I woke up to find out that the the, the Lions were beating the Packers seventeen to nothing. And now as I sit here, uh, the, the little ticker is showing me nine minutes to go in the third quarter. Detroit is up 20 to nothing. Um, yeah, I, I got nothing. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, those, um, those whacked out the sky is falling Packer fans are onto something with this whole uh, the, the world is coming to an end uh, kind of thing because um, – Getting swept by the Lions, a team that was one in seven before they met for the first time uh, in Lambeau a few weeks ago, to being swept by them two games inside of four weeks. Um, I mean, you thought that they they thought being beat by the Bears on national TV was low. How about being swept and at the moment being shut out by the Lions? <laughs> I, I I'll be all over the SB Nation page. I swear to God, I'll I'll look at everything. They've got to hear what they have to say after being swept by Detroit. If that's if that's how this whole thing shakes out, I just, I can't wait to hear what they say after this. So if they thought, I mean, the Bears are actually playing good football right now, a team that that many in the NFL are, are growing, are, you know, the respect levels for the Bears are growing as as we go week in and week out. Um, the the opinion of the of the the Lions is still pretty low uh, at this point, and to be swept by that team twice in two games in the last four weeks. Yeah, there's there's going to be <laughs> – we thought it was bad last week when the Bears beat them. How's it going to feel to watch them complete the sweep of the Packers, you know, by the Lions? It's just – yeah, there's going to be some – see, the, I think the suicide rate's going to go up in Green Bay this week. So, all right, so on that uh, extremely positive and hilarious note, we will go into our Week 13 preview with our good friend Ron Rugg from Football is America talking Bears 49ers, week number 13. All right. Well, since the uh, SB Nation people in the Bay Area suck, I uh, did not find anyone from the San Francisco side of things to join us this week. So, we reach into the bullpen once again and bring our good friend from Football is America, Ron Rugg, back to the Chicago Bears Review to uh, step in for the San Francisco guys. Ron, how are we doing this morning? Good, Larry. How are you? Oh, you know, I'm doing all right. It's, uh, it's Thursday, so the week is wrapping up. One day closer to watching the Bears dismantle the 49ers at home, so we'll be, uh, we'll be good. So, um, so let's talk about this train wreck of a garbage dumpster fire of a of a football team here <laughs> uh, in the 49ers. I mean, this is something that was kind of like the story of the offseason with uh, with them letting Harbaugh go and, and one player after another departing the franchise in, in, in one way uh, or another with uh, retirements or or being released and let go or, you know, what have you. And and then they come out and everyone just thinks it's going to be an absolute train wreck and they beat the the Vikings, who everybody was like, okay, this is going to be the, the the team that that makes that next step forward. You know, they they uh, they progressed last year and 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 everything. This is going to be the step one in the Vikings revival and and going there. And then Monday Night Football in front of the whole world, the Forty Nine ers stomp Minnesota into the ground. So everyone all of a sudden was thinking 
Okay, were we wrong about San Francisco? And then they proceed to lose about four or five games uh, in a row and everything comes back down to reality. And uh, it's pretty much been the case ever since. And, you know, we've talked about the 49ers many times, especially on your show, about what a train wreck of a team. And and that is one of my favorite words to describe this team. And we'll hear it several (laughs) times. But with uh, Kaepernick and Tom Sula, the head coach, and and Balky, the GM, it's just – like we were just talking a few moments ago before we got started, this is not a condition for this team that we see improving anytime soon. No, and doesn't it seem like it was years ago that they beat the Vikings on Monday Night Football? It does seem like forever. I mean, considering how that team has gone and the way the Vikings have pretty much never looked back since that happened, uh, it does seem like forever ago. I, I look at you look at this team and you wonder what and where it went wrong. And I think everybody at this point can pretty much point to one person just because he's in the face of the entire transition. And that is Trim Balky. And you look at, uh, what happened with, with Harbaugh and the way the entire staff changed out and him appointing Tom Sula, the the head coach and a guy who, whose entire head coaching experience had been NFL Europe. And he'd just been one of these guys that kind of hung on in the organization forever. And, you know, we've talked about that quite a bit as well, but, I just, when you say train wreck, that to me is being kind. <laughs> it's, I have not seen a team more hell bent on their own self destruction than the 49ers have been this offseason and leading into this year. And for it to happen as fast as it's happened with the 49ers, I mean, their fall from grace was more like a plummet from grace. I mean, it wasn't something that slowly but surely happened. It was, uh, you know, 2013 third straight NFC championship game, 2014, the fall of the Jim Harbaugh era, then 2015 into the, 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 just, the, just the horridness of this football team and, and how from top to bottom with the organization. So it's not like they've been littered with injuries and the, the play just went downhill because they don't have anybody out there. They've, they just suck. They're just not a good football team right now. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, – it's kind of sad to, as a football fan to watch it happen that way. Yeah, I think the only thing I can compare it to, and I don't know how loose I have to get with this comparison, but the Jaguars, when they had David Gerard, mm-hmm. and they went, I think they had went, I think you, and I, I'm not, not going to, don't quote me, I think it's 2007 when they went to the playoffs and lost to the Baltimore Ravens that yep. year. And then... 2008 came and I guess they had an extra season than the what the 49ers did but they pretty much plummeted in that same in that same way everything kind of fell off uh, a couple of years later Jack Del Rio's gone and they're starting Blaine Gabbert who happens to now be the starter for the 49ers and and it's it's a it's weird that teams can do that you have teams that you just know are going to be bad like you everybody has known for years now that the Raiders, the Lions, the Browns, those were teams that nobody feared. Right. 49ers went that way. I mean, you said it on my show a couple of weeks ago that when we used to talk about a 49ers-Seahawks matchup, that was always like the game of the week. Yeah. And now it was just, I mean, we maybe spent two minutes talking about that game. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, because it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I, I feel like this game probably won't be much different. I agree with you from what we were talking before. We uh, before you got me on, which was that this is just a team that that can't compete and doesn't have the firepower. 
Yeah, because I'm just looking at their at their schedule, and I haven't seen the 49ers play too many times. I, I, you know, I sat in shock and watched the majority of the Vikings game, the first game of the year, but I really haven't had a chance to watch them play since. Uh, I mean, I did watch them give away their uh, the the game on Sunday night against the Giants, which their only national TV appearance since then. But it's just just looking at it. This is a team that does not score points. Does not score points. Their their highest point total of the year was that game against the Giants where they lost thirty to twenty seven. After that, it's the you know, they scored twenty week one, eighteen, then seven, then three, then the Giants game was twenty seven. They beat the Ravens the week after at twenty five. Then it, then since then they have not broken twenty. They've they they scored three against Seattle, six against the Rams, seventeen and a win against the Falcons, and then thirteen and thirteen the last two weeks if the Bears score 17 points it'll be like they put up 100 against the 49ers for how they how well they score points on offense and we all know that they can do that yeah especially if Jeffrey's back if the if they decide to use this tandem of Langford Forte now both of them can stay fresh right uh you have Martellus Bennett who over the last few weeks has seen either a lot of coverage or just hasn't been getting the looks like he used to but you, you're in a position now where this is very similar, I think, to that Rams game, like you were saying before the show, which is as long as they can get up by a couple of touchdowns, it's just going to be cruise control from there on. Yeah. I mean, even if the Bears can put up 10 points in the first quarter, it would be, you know, looking at how, the, how, the, how well the 49ers score points, which is uh, they don't, that, you know, 10 points would almost seem like an insurmountable lead, kind of like going back to week three with the Bears and the, the Seahawks it was six nothing at halftime then the Seahawks ran that opening kickoff in the second half back to make it 13 to nothing with Jimmy Clausen at quarterback it might as well have been 130 to nothing uh, at that point uh, as to how difficult it was going to be for the Bears to catch up uh, at that point if if the Bears could put up 10 points in the first quarter it would it would basically be like putting up a lead that would never be touched uh, throughout the uh, throughout the rest of the uh, football game because you know, defensively, the Bears have really nothing to fear uh, from San Francisco. And, um, you know, it's just not a team that's going to intimidate them uh, coming into it, which is what we also talked about before was that, um, you know, could this be somewhat of a trap game for the Bears? The high of beating Green Bay, uh, national TV, Brett Favre night ruined, uh, you know, a divisional win, the first one of the season for the Bears. And, you know, kind of that statement win for the Bears, not just for themselves, but for other, for the rest of the league. There's been a lot of love coming Chicago's way since they beat uh, Green Bay on Thanksgiving night. Yeah, not from Green Bay fans though. You would think that the world has ended <laughs> for the, for those guys, man. Yeah, I, I I know you listened to my show. I spent 20 minutes on that last <laughs> week. Just how how awesome and hilarious and pathetic it is all at the same time. The way that they were responding to the Bears winning last week. Yeah, I, I know this is a four. 40- Niner show, but just my comments on that was I talked to probably 10 different Packers fans yesterday, and all of them said that if they lose the Lions, their season's done, even though they'd still be tied for first in the wild card spot. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> hilarious. So. Uh, to me, the 49ers, they, I think they're a little bit better than a lot of people give them credit for. And yeah, it could be a trap game, I guess, the, the high, and that would kind of be the Bears' MO previously but this is under john fox and adam gase this isn't lovey smith or mark tressman right i think 
and especially you have Vic Fangio now, it, where we played the Broncos a couple of weeks ago, and Adam Gase was in Vic Fangio's ear probably all week long, trying to figure out or trying to tell him, you know, this is what we need to do against them. And uh, really, the Bears had a really good shot of winning that game and yeah. probably should have. Yep. And now you, you're on the other side of it. Now you have Vic Fangio and Adam Gase's ear saying, this is what you need to do to fix to, to beat this defense. Because he knows the players. He knows yeah. the people. And the scheme might be different, but the pe- personnel is personnel. And I, I, I'm hoping that this is just an, another game of, of efficiency from Jay Cutler. And even, like you said, even if, we, if it's a 17-10 to 10 game, it's still not going to be nearly as close as it actually was. So you have great players on, on both sides of the ball, players that are emerging on the Bears team, uh, that Jonathan Anderson yeah. has, has been doing really well. I've been really surprised. I honestly had, I knew nothing about him until I, I saw him with those, those two picks in, I think it was the Lions game where one of them was called back. And uh, one of them was that Golden Tate touchdown. Yeah. Let's not spend any time talking about that. <laughs> he had, a, I mean, he had a great game. And I, watching him, he's all over the place. And for for a middle linebacker that is a rookie for the most part, I mean, let's in in every sense of the term, he's a rookie. I mean, it's his yeah. first year of really contributing. And then you have uh, you have Acho out there who's playing pretty well in relief and in rotation. And th- they have the talent. More talent that I think we gave them credit for coming into this one. And given the deficiencies on the offensive line for the 49ers, the the speed of the game that that Blaine Gabbert struggles with, and the fact that they don't have Carlos Hyde or Mike Davis, they're probably going to be running with Sean Drawn again. Uh, uh, once again, a player that the Bears know. Yeah. That's, uh, it, this could end up... This could get out of hand very quickly. Now, that doesn't mean that the Bears should or we as fans should take it for granted. Cause I, I think that that's where it always gets us in trouble is they might be looking ahead here. And if they are, that's where this will be a trap game. I mean, it'll be, it'll easily be one. Yeah. I think, I think personally that would be more of a issue if we had Minnesota next week, but we got Minnesota in two weeks and Washington has kind of fallen into the position that they're in as more so that they've they've earned it. It's it's they're five and six just like the Bears are, speaking of the Redskins, but it's like they're in first place in the NFC East because they play in the worst division on the NFC uh right now. In the NFC I should say. And um, you know, it's like they're almost like by default because no one else wants it. You know, you you hear that story where it's like no one wants to win this game no one wants to win the NFC East, apparently, because the Redskins, uh, you know, have won five games unimpressively. And if they have, if it hasn't happened in in um, in FedEx Field, it hasn't happened at all uh, for Washington. Um, you know, so I don't think that the Bears would be looking forward to them uh, necessarily. But it's just, um, but that's a game I know. think that will be more of a shootout because I do the yeah. Redskins can put up points. Yeah, they, they do, and they all they do is pass. I mean, we've seen that with Alfred Morris and Matt Jones getting twelve carries total the whole game, and that on that team. But <laughs> uh, and then Alfred Morris and I mean their entire run games. Comp- I don't I don't think they actually have one. I think they just put running backs out there and to look nice. I, they that is a team I think the Bears should worry about defensively, but that I think can keep up with them. 
which is why, like you said, I don't think they're worried too much. With the 49ers, I know they've got, I mean, they've got some, I'm looking over at their schedule right now, and they've got some, you're right, I, I, I can't pitch for them at all. That's it. Yeah. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 tough, man. I mean, and and that's the other thing that's that where it's uh, you know the Bears could be setting themselves up for the fall if you just look at the the scores of these games and you know eighteen points, seven points, three points, three points, six points. I mean, they've scored less than ten points in you know basically half their games this year. I mean, and they've. Uh, you know, they just don't score points, and our defense is playing better. And we just shut down a real offense last week in Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers that, uh, you know, were basically just missing Jordy Nelson and were pretty much full strength. Uh, otherwise, we held them to 13 points at Lambeau. So, you know, that that's where this could be a trap game, just, just the high of Green Bay to – the very very low of, of San Francisco, especially on the offensive side of the uh, the football, but also it also could be perfect for us, considering that it shouldn't be as difficult, or one would think, going into the game, and this defense could be licking its chops, ready to get their hands on the 49ers uh, as well. You know, a team that they can really get after, a quarterback that uh, you know has made a career out of being rattled and disappointing uh his fan base regardless of who it is and um who you know to his credit has outplayed Kaepernick for sure he has been a definite upgrade since they since they benched Kaepernick but you know for the most part is still the uh, failed top 10 pick of the Jaguars that the 49ers got for nothing when they basically uh the Jaguars just got him out of town I know we we brought up that how weird is it that we live in a world right now where we were complimenting Blaine Gabbert. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that was something that's been an ongoing joke now for the last few weeks on our show. And I think the way you have to look at the 49ers, when people say, well, the 49ers have a shot, really, you look at their schedule and you say, well, they've got teams when they beat them that just were sleeping on them. Yeah. I mean, you Minnesota week one, that was a week one game. And I think we can all at, at this point, my theory is that with, the preseason the way it is and the way the new CBA works is that there's there's really no uh, actual preseason. That The preseason kind of extends into the first three or four weeks of the regular season when teams are still kind of figuring everything out. Yeah, And so I'm, I write off those first few games as still getting everything together for the teams that are not quite there yet. And right. So I don't really count the Minnesota win, given the fact that Minnesota has played very well so far this year. And you look at the teams that they beat, uh, Atlanta coming across country on a short week to San Francisco, and they lost. And you look at, I mean, that's, I mean, every single one of their wins has just been that scenario. Just one yeah. where they they happen to catch a team sleeping, that's it. And coincidentally, all three of their wins are in San Francisco. They haven't won a road game yet, so uh, they're winless uh, on the road uh, up to this point. Which uh, for them would be one, two, three, four, five games. So they're zero for five on the road, and uh, you know three and three and two 
at home. And I honestly, I honestly only kind of count one win, and that's the Atlanta game. I mean, when you look at the Baltimore game, Baltimore has been decimated. And yeah. they, they lost more people in that week six game uh, against San Francisco that dra- drastically affected their game plan. Yeah. And then the week one, I've already stated why I don't really count that one. So really, you you got Atlanta on the short week coming across the country, and that's your win. So to me, I, I, I only give them real credit for just that one win. That's Yeah, and a lot of people, the speaking of that win, a lot of people chalk that up to poor coaching on Dan Quinn's part than San Francisco winning that football game. Because that was – wasn't that Gabbard's first start? Was the, was the Falcons game? Yes. And, you know, that was uh, where they came out there. And uh, the Falcons were down 17-13. to 13. They were in uh, field goal range with, uh, you know, three minutes to go or, or whatever it was. And instead of going for it on, like, fourth and one, Quinn decides to kick the field goal, turn the ball back over to his, uh, his defense to get the ball back. And seemingly somehow – Blaine Gabbert won them the game at the end by by basically running out the clock uh, on the Falcons, and uh, you know it's like because Quinn didn't take the shot or try to go for it on 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 fourth down to try to win the game. Uh, that's basically how the Forty ers uh, won. Basically, they keep away for the last few minutes, and you know Dan Quinn coached himself out of a victory against the Forty ers that week. Yeah, it was just a rookie head coach mistake. It was first time doing so, being in a position like that, and he just he handled it poorly. That's, I agree. That's kind of what I chalk it up to. So, but that's you know their their other win of the season against um, you know going into that game, what people viewed as a very good team, and I've I've softened heavily on on the Falcons over the last six weeks. That five and zero start, and now they're six and five, and and not really even looking like a six and five team uh, anymore. Um, not even you close. Know, I, <laughs> yeah, I think the Falcons peaked at five and zero. They're done. I think they are finished. But. Um, you know that's that's the other win that the 49ers have so i mean across the board this is not a team that jumps out as um you know even even quietly impressive or something that needs to be feared but this is the nfl so it's not a game that you can look past um you know they haven't won a game on the road which is perfect for the bears because they'll always that they always seem to do stuff like that against the bears um I think what's what kind of uh what I what I what I what I find typical of the luck the Bears have was a tweet by Michael Wilbon from ESPN during the the Broncos game was that the Bears have an an embarrassing reputation for making first-time quarterbacks look like geniuses as you know talking about how Osweiler looked against the Bears in his first start ever and you know this would be the perfect scenario. 49ers haven't won a road game all year. They're on the road in December, a California team playing in the frigid cold of Soldier Field on Sunday for them to have nothing going for them and then come out and score 40 on the defense and win the game. Just kind of how some things teams seem to go uh, for the Bears uh, from time to time. But um, hoping that uh, John Fox and Gase and company would, uh, you know, coach their way out of something like this being able to happen well i think the big thing that you compare the two teams against each other with is that when it comes down to it and that for the first time in a really long time mind you the bears have a coaching staff that makes adjustments yeah they actually when something isn't going right they change what they're doing they actually have backup to backups for game plans 
if something isn't working, if they come out and they're, well, we're going to run the ball as much as we can, and that just isn't working, they figure out they have a, a, another system they're going to try to see if they can score points. Mm-hmm. They, we, we haven't had that in Chicago in a long time. Yeah, I mean, the Green Bay game was a perfect, perfect indication. The first three drives of the football game, they went three and out. You know, they, they didn't have a first down until there was a minute to go in the first quarter. The, the, you know, and offensively, the, uh, the Packers, they had seven. They were up seven to one in the first down department going into the second quarter. And the second quarter is where the game changed. The Bears put up 14 points in the second quarter, taking the lead into halftime and never looked back, actually. Right. After that, so the adjustments that they made in the second half in the second quarter, not the, not they made halftime adjustments that came out after that, which they did because the the Green Bay Green Bay got shut out in the second half offensively. We we put a big goose egg on them in the second half. They never scored again. But um, one of my fun you know, stats, right. one of my fun stats for that is that it was the first time in eighteen games that the Bears had led at halftime and then won. <laughs> <laughs> which was nice yeah I, I i saw that stat uh i can't remember where i saw it but i um i think it was on chicagobears.com actually and i was saddened and then also laughed like you did like <laughs> i yeah. it was it's crazy because it does seem quite often that they can take a lead at halftime and then lose it so well, yeah so but i mean you know so it's uh you're right this is a team that does uh, coaching staff does make adjustments, doesn't wait till halftime to make those adjustments, and like you said, has a backup plan to their backup plan to their backup plan to, you know, if uh, if uh, plan A doesn't work, B is coming right now. They're not going to wait and see. They're going to be like, okay, let's go to plan B and see if that works, and, and so on and so forth, and uh, they tailor their game plan to their opponents, and uh, that's the one thing I'd really do enjoy about this staff. Yeah, I when it comes to John Fox and Adam Gase, and I, I, I'm still on the track that I think Adam Gase is the eventual head coach. They've just done something there. And these are players, in my opinion, these are worse players than, not worse, I guess, but less talented players mm-hmm. on this team than what Tressman had on his team with, uh, um, man, I just lost the name of the defensive coordinator uh, for last year. Tucker. Tucker, thank you, Paul Tucker. Tucker. Um, he, uh, they had a ton of talent and did nothing with it. Yeah. And Adam Gase and Vic Fangio, they have turned a team that everybody wrote off. I mean, even us <laughs> at one point. Well, I mean, because me. we've, <laughs> yeah, because we've been saying in, and, and I've been saying all year, you know, coming into it, it's like, guys, wins is probably not going to be what happens this year. We're looking for progress and competition on the field because that's what's been sorely lacking in, in, the, in the, the very short Tressman era was that if we weren't winning by 40 points, we were being destroyed by 40 points. There weren't these close games. I mean, just look at our last since – the, since the Seattle game, every game besides the, the St. Louis game decided by three or four, four points at the most has been the deficit in every game, win or lose. So all these games coming down to the wire one way or the other, that's just something that was completely unheard of. When 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 Tressman and Tucker were in charge uh, of this uh, of this football team, so so yeah, I mean this is a an organiz- a, a coaching staff that's just uh, it's going to keep you in the game, which is going to set you up to win at the end. Yeah, I, when it comes to this one, the Bears are a touchdown uh, favorite. First first time all season, I think is what you first, said. First time all year. Um, 
I had to look back because I was like, man, that could, that couldn't have been. But it's it's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they're five and six. They have three of their last four have been wins. They have covered the spread in all four of the last games. In fact, they've covered the spread in all of their games except for one, which was the Seahawks game. And I think people are starting to take notice and give a little bit more respect than what I think a lot of people had expectation-wise at the beginning of the season. I'm in, I'm in a position where, at this point, the way I feel about it is, I'm happy with how the season is already. No matter oh, what thrilled. the record is. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they lose to the 49ers. It doesn't matter if they lose out the rest of the season to me. As long as, like you said, they keep it close, they show heart, they are giving, they, they never quit during the games. Even if they lose out, I would be upset about that, but I would still consider this season wildly successful as yeah. in comparison to the last two seasons. Yeah, w- without a doubt. I mean, the, the progress that we wanted is definitely there. And, and we know the difference between us and, and – you know, playing into January is is probably, you know, uh, a, a draft pick here and a free agent there, and the Bears are on their way for sure. So, um, you know, that is something that, you know, there's optimism to be to be seen and not something that's just going to come from out of nowhere. We're like, hey, look at that. The Bears are playing well this year. How about it? You know, who would have thunk, you know, kind of thing, which is how they've had success over the, the over the years, especially during the, the Angelo era the teams that did well were always the ones that never were were never really expected to and the ones that didn't were the ones that were supposed to light up the world so um you know it, it's 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 fun to to see this team kind of come together uh the way that it has uh, especially just the progress that it's made over a very long nfl season yeah i i think i don't think anybody can can argue that at all um getting back to the 49ers i think and I'll, I'll kind of cap it with this is I just the reason I think the Bears are going to to take this one down is Vic Fangio was burned as being being let go and discarded as a possible head coach candidate for that team when they decided to get rid of of Harbaugh. In fact, some of the news reports and some of the thoughts from some of the writers I talked to at SB Nation even were that he could be a candidate. Because he had a really good rela- relationship with Trimbalki. And then they said, no thanks. Hire Tom Sula, a guy who was under him. Yeah. And sent him packing. I, I'm, what I hope to see, and it's not necessarily the MO of the defense, but what I hope to see is a lot of blitzing. Because I, I just, I, I feel like that's what we're going to see. We're going to see a lot of pressure, pressure on Gabbert. And, don't be surprised if we see Willie Young, uh, Houston, um, McPhee. McPhee, those guys just pounding him yeah, all game long. I, I don't think the 49ers have a shot. I'm, we might be wrong, but to me, a 5.5-point a spread to it that has now graduated to a touchdown favorite isn't enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's for, for, yeah. for any 49ers fans, it, that's just it. it. Your team is awful. They they haven't they've been beaten by by more than 30 points in three of their games this year. And the yeah. Bears just beat a team running away with it in the Rams 
a couple of weeks ago by what 44 to 14 17 i can't remember the exact score right off the top of my head but i mean it's that was this is this is gonna be brutal i mean this this is the kind of stuff that you know there might be lawsuits out after because, <laughs> because of the type of the type of things that are gonna happen i i mean we we all kind of saw what happened with the browns uh monday night football this week yeah um, oh man you see the guy tear off his jersey I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we could see that by halftime in yeah. this one for 49ers fans. If there's any 49ers fans in the stands, it's that they're either going to be wildly drunk or blacked out because they have gotten past that. Yeah. Or they're heading for the exit. That's for sure. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I mean, that was uh, that was hilarious and sad to watch all at the same time when that. Uh, when they were showing here, here it is. The 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 Browns are about to beat the Ravens. Uh, you sweep know, the, the team, Ravens. They were going to sweep yeah. the Ravens. Yeah, that's true. They're about to sweep the Ravens on Monday Night Football. They're going to kick this field goal. This kid hasn't missed a kick all season, and here we are. We're going to win this game, and they block the kick and run it away. A walk off blocked field goal touchdown for that was the pitched for the to Ravens. another guy. Yeah, and not only that. The guy who blocked it was signed from the practice squad Friday afternoon. Yeah, making his NFL debut that night. That night. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the only way the Browns can lose a football game. Yeah, and then that, that clip from the end zone where it shows the, the, whole, the whole crowd around the guy filming just losing their ever-loving minds, and then the guy that was behind him tearing his jersey in half, just ripping it right down the middle just like just sums up perfectly how this era of football for the Browns has gone. So, um, yeah, it could be worse bear fans. We could all be Browns fans. Then, uh, <laughs> well, we're not. And know. I don't, luckily we never will be. So no, there's, there's always God. those few fan bases that no matter what, don't have a word to say to us. <laughs> yeah. And, and no matter what, always make us feel happy. We are where we exactly. are instead of, you know, it could be worse guys. We could be Jaguar fans. It could be, Worse, we could be Browns fans, but instead we're not. We are fans of the beloved uh, Chicago Bears. And uh, this Sunday, um, you know, not to sound cocky or arrogant, but, uh, you know, they, we really should tear this team to shreds uh, on, on Sunday. They, they really don't have anything to, to, to bring against the, uh, the Bears. Defensively, they're, they're not going to be very uh, intimidating. And offensively, just, I mean, a 17-point deficit at halftime might as well be 170 against these against this offense. So uh, it's it's not a team that should, we should come out and all of a sudden before we blink, it's 21 to nothing. Yeah, they, when you're talking about nothing to to scare the Bears, I mean, their number one wide receiver is Anquan Bolden, who yeah, is up for yeah. the Walter Payton Man of the Year award, by the way. Was well, he? Yes, uh, but I mean, their their next their next. Uh, um, Wide receiver is Torrey Smith, the guy who could never catch the football. He was, he's a, he's a blazer. That's all he is. He stretches the field. Carlos Hyde's yeah, not they, playing. You've got uh, nobody else on on offense. Vance McDonald, right now, is their starting tight end. Garrett Selleck's out. Uh, Blaine Gabbert starting at quarterback. I mean, how much of that? How much of that scares you? I mean, Glenn Dorsey's probably done for the year. Yeah. Uh, you got. Navarro Bowman, 
maybe? Is that the, the only Aaron Lynch? Are those the two guys that we fear the most, really, on, on defense? I mean, let me read some of these names. These are the starters, Larry. Glenn Dorsey, Ian Williams, Quinton Dial, Ahmad Brooks, Navarro Bowman, Michael Wilhoy, Aaron Lynch, Tremaine Brock, Kenneth Acker at, at the other corner spot, Eric Reed, and Jaquiski Tart. Whoa, that's for real. That is his name. That is their strong wow. safety, Jaquiski Tart, that he is a rookie from what I understand. Hmm. And this is, how much of that do you look at and go, oh, we might have a problem? I mean, I mean, Ahmad Brooks, Navarro Bowman; those are the only two names that that I, you know, would be concerned uh, about. Uh, but you know, like I said, that's two out of eleven guys that are going to be on the field uh, against this uh, offense that is really coming together. And uh, yeah, I I I don't anticipate uh, problems. So I mean, basically, this would be a game where the Bears can't shoot themselves in the foot. You know, Cutler can't turn over the football no fumbles you know from us as long as we stay away from turnovers and penalties this game should be smooth sailing from from the minute we kick off until the final gun goes you know until the final gun goes off so um yeah it really would be more about the bears beating themselves than the 49ers beating them uh, on sunday i agree all right, so I think we'll go ahead and, and wrap it up there. We intended to talk about the 49ers, but aside, uh, you know, we really didn't talk about them because there's really nothing to talk about with the with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Ron, I want to thank you for, for coming on. And, Absolutely, uh, of course, you know, anytime. Hanging on those show. And uh, so that's it for, for, this, uh, for this preview uh, segment of the Bears against the 49ers. Talking about the Bears 49ers week number 13 uh, at Soldier Field on Sunday. Always fun to have Ron uh, on the show, and you can actually catch myself and Ron together with his partner Kyle Frank on Football is America. I usually jump in on the show every week for the preview episodes uh, as well, talking about all 16 of the NFL games, not just the Bears uh, and the 49ers. We'll be talking about them all. As a matter of fact, what our reaction to tonight's game is with the Lions and the Green Bay Packers. I mean, what the hell is going on? with Green Bay. I mean, we're going to have to, you know, check and make sure that Evan Western is still with us uh, after this. <laughs> it's like I said before, before I played the segment, if they thought that getting beat by the Bears on national TV was bad, how about following that up by getting shut out by the Lions to have them complete the sweep on you? Oof, man, that's going to be a tough one to swallow. Um, and it might not go down so smooth as it would be with the Bears, who are actually playing good football uh, right now the Lions on the other hand somehow winning football games um, you know entering a pretty easy stretch of their schedule and, and doing some things that uh, yeah it's uh, yeah for be for them to be one and seven and then all of a sudden they're going to be five and seven if this holds up if uh, Green Bay doesn't snap out of it before the end of this game um, yeah it's oh man this is going to be a tough one uh, for them to swallow but um, you know uh, just to, to to wrap things up here, um, as I was talking about right before the end of the uh, talk with with Ron about what the Bears need to do uh, this week, it's it is important because we are the better team for the first time, pretty much all season. 
Uh, we're going into this game. We are the better football team on paper. Uh, we are going to be favored to win this game. And a seven-point spread basically is the better saying that the Bears should have a relatively easy time winning uh, this game. And and I don't think that that's far from the truth in, in what is actually going to take place uh, on Sunday. It should be, in my opinion, a, another St. Louis game. You know, and this is – it's basically they're, – they're essentially the Rams without the decent offense – and, and, or the decent big play potential with they don't have a Todd Gurley you know they don't even have a Carlos Hyde they've got Sean Drawn as, as their their starting running back because of injuries and just how terrible it's going for them out there in San Francisco they don't have the big play potential uh, and it's it's going to be important that the Bears bottle up the run game early and put this thing all on Blaine Gabbert and the offense and, and then in that position in that uh, position I think the Bears can be enormously successful if they can pin their ears back against that offensive line and get after Gabbard. We could light this thing up early, you know. And like like I was saying, if the with the way that this team has such a problem scoring points, putting points on the board, uh, or anything like that, if the Bears come away in the first quarter with a ten nothing lead, that would basically be insurmountable against this football team. So, I mean, I know that's only, you know, one score. They're back in this thing and, and whatnot. I just – they just aren't that, aren't that team. This isn't that team. So, with, with us being at home, with uh, the elements and, and how cold and things like that, it's going to be in Chicago on Sunday. Um, you know, I, I definitely think the Bears should kind of run away uh, with this game. And, and I'm hoping that the high of the victory over Green Bay doesn't, uh, doesn't serve this – doesn't make this a trap game as far as uh, – you know, while we were busy patting ourselves on the back, you know, San Francisco kicks us in the butt and uh, brings us back crashing down to reality. Because believe me, all the love that the Bears are getting now will disappear. It will vaporize itself if they blow this game against the 49ers uh, on Sunday. So, um, you know, in that regard, it's definitely a trap game for the Bears and one you want to see them avoid. But... You know, as I was saying, because the Bears are, the for the first time this year, viewed upon as the superior team, it's going to be more on the Bears to not lose it than it is going to be for the 49ers uh, to win it. And I don't mean that the Bears need to be conservative or anything like that. What I mean is we can't beat ourselves. We can't make mistakes. We can't, we can't basically bury ourselves under penalties, which has been a problem that the Bears have had from time to time. This year, we can't do the one step forward, two step back thing with the penalty. We can't have a 15 yard run from Forte or Langford be brought back because of a holding penalty, uh, you know, or something to that effect. We can't have a a you know a third down, a three and out situation negated by a stupid illegal touching penalty or you know a roughing the passer or some you know things like these that that can be avoided uh for the most part we can't have those self-inflicted wounds that keep giving the 49ers a reason to hang around and at some point take it away from us if the bears go out there and put their knee in 49ers throat like they did against st louis that early lead that they built up the 24 to 10 lead at halftime they had against st louis might as well have been 200 points that they put on the board at halftime because the Rams weren't built for it is to, to get into a shootout and neither are the 49ers so they're they're the team i mean their, their last victory was a few weeks ago against the the uh the falcons they won 17 to 16 that's how they won 
that game. 17 points was good enough to win them a game. So obviously it would it would point to them being a better defensive football team than on offense. But if you can put some points on the board early against this team, you can coast uh, throughout the rest of the game. So that is what I'm hoping the Bears will do on Sunday against these 49ers. So that is going to do it for the Week 13 preview of the Chicago Bears review. Come back on Monday when we will talk about this game and how it went down. Are the Bears a 500 team with the last four, with the fourth and final quarter of the season left to go? Do we still have an outside chance at making the playoffs, or did we blow up an easy win over a bad football team and just bury ourselves under? Uh, you know, and now should we start thinking about draft picks at this point? So we will find out on Monday. Come back and check that out for us. And, uh, you know, that should be uh, very interesting. One more quick uh, programming note. If uh, next week we got the Washington Redskins, Mike Carrar from Hogs Haven. Uh, com and SB Nation that we spoke to over the summer during our opponent previews already agreed to come back and talk to us so we will have him on the week 14 preview episode uh, next week and then I'm sure we'll be able to talk Chris Gates and Sander Phillips and our good friend Jeremy Reisman uh, from their respective SB Nation pages uh, to come back on the show to talk about their teams uh, as we wrap up the final so we'll have guests on the preview shows for the rest of the regular season and hoping that we have to make a new friend come postseason time and uh, whoever the Bears are playing on January 10th uh, after they beat the, uh, the the Lions on January 3rd. So we'll have to wait and see where that all happens. Um, be sure to catch uh, the preview episode. I actually didn't mention where you could find it. You can find it on iTunes, Football is America. I'm on the preview show with Ron and Kyle. And you can also, they have a, a very nice website, footballisamerica.com, uh, to check me out on the show with them and also to check out Ron and and Kyle, he is, uh, well, Kyle is Kyle. You have to listen to the show to figure out what that means. So uh, go ahead and check that out. And, of course, come back next week or on, on Monday for the Week 13 review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. So until then, my name is Larry D., and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.